0: Five, four, three, two, one. Engine
1: full power and liftoff. We, we care about this part.
0: I hooked go, up the igniter, go, once go, again, boom. shout out to being hands-free with this chest cam and we were ready to send it. Five, four, uh, three, two, one,
1: zero. Here, I'll just mute it. But this rocket, like <laughs> it's two mm-hmm. stages. And uh, they like the cameras are meant to deploy out to like look down. Okay, and they deploy while all going Mach three. <laughs> um Yeah, and that kind of uh, that it don't it don't do too good going that Mach kind, three. Of, yeah, <laughs> <the> kind of <laughs> yeah kind <laughs> of yeah they kind of threw off the center of pressure and it became a corkscrew.
0: It was pretty sweet though,
1: dude. BPS space is so cool. I know. I I want to build rockets like he does. Like he. He uploads like every three days. I don't know how. He literally builds a rocket that, like the same class of rocket that Star is doing, but he builds it in a week.
0: It's 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 ridiculous. It's crazy. Um, is that his full-time job? Is yeah. this what he does for a living? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That'd be pretty sweet. That would be pretty cool. Though I don't have a CNC in my garage, so I can't really uh, mimic him. Not yet. But Elko,
0: hear me out. <laughs> Elko is my garage.
1: I live in Elko. But it is facts. I actually have been trying to learn how to create like avionics and GPSs and stuff. Because uh, as a mechanical engineer, I... Well, you don't I'm, see that side so much? No, I haven't been taught a single thing. Like even like for first year, did you take any um, Arduino lessons? No. No? So where I took my first year... Uh, the first year computer science class yeah like the engine comp comp, um, I took with a lab and the lab was Arduino
0: oh that's actually sick
1: and so like like I think the most complicated thing we had to do was like make a LED mimic like flickering of a campfire oh that's not bad but I still learned like I mean how to turn it on at least (laughs) (laughs) it's a start it's a start did you guys do Python or MATLAB Mat- Matlab Matlab in the lectures but then C for Arduino. Yeah, right, right. But like Matlab is like written in like kind of like C.
0: Dude, Matlab is everything. It is Python, C, Ruby. <laughs> yeah. It's got a little bit
1: of everything. And it you know what? It doesn't deserve the hate it gets.
0: Honestly, I do like it. It I have used it for some of the imaging stuff that I'm doing, and it's it comes in handy.
1: So what, you're using MATLAB instead of learning Python?
0: Uh, I, I have a Python background. Oh. But it's like MATLAB outputs it really nicely in these figures. So I'm like, I'm just going to do it this way instead. Because you can do matplot.lib um, in yeah. Python. But I don't know. I just like the MATLAB output better.
1: <laughs> I'm the I'm complete opposite. I'd rather use Matplotlib than MATLAB. Really? I don't know why. I'm just not good with MATLAB. Like, I understand it, but like Matplotlib, it's like, I can get these beautiful Very formatted intuitive. figures. Yeah. yeah. But like, what kind of, uh, why do you need to use MATLAB for imaging?
0: Um, so, standard camera uses a Bayer matrix. Bayer matrix is uh, 25% red pixels, 50% green, and twenty five percent blue, um, so you're able. It uses a thing called uh, demosaicing, and um, there's a couple different algorithms, algorithms, but um, to account for having less pixels f- per color, um, the like average across an area um, to get like a full color image. Oh, so you have okay, RGB yeah, so. values for every pixel. Mm-hmm. Rather than like, oh, only fifty percent of these pixels are green. No, you can average across and figure out the rough estimate of the values. Like it, your your eyes aren't guessing, but like any camera is guessing. Right. Yeah. 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 Except for film. Film is not guessing.
1: Film is crazy. So you're just filling in like. So you're splitting into it's four parts or sorry three parts, but one parts fifty percent. Um, and then filling in the gaps from that separation with the nearby average values. So
0: most camera modules actually do that for you. So you actually have to go in and reverse that most times. If you can't get the dot .raw file, that's the raw sensor data, mm. um, you have to re-mosaic and break it up. So I've been working with um, one of our advisors on making a Python script for that. And it works perfectly. Pretty good. I just have to adjust it a little bit for um, when we have a near infrared filter on it um, to allow us to get our target three bands for for our multispectral imager. Interesting.
1: And then w- with these three images that are produced, like what will kind of be the step for each? Like, why would we want the red image and the green image and the blue image that's measuring near? Like what would each purpose be?
0: Um, on their own, they're not much use, but when you subtract them, like every every picture is reflectance values, right? Right. So the red picture is just your red reflectance values. Yeah. So you can take um, your 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 red and your infrared, and um, you can add them, and then uh, on the bottom you divide them and subtract them. And then you can multiply that by 100 and you get a percentage or you can leave it as a ratio or like a decimal value. And that tells you like the vegetation reflectance in the area. So like everything absorbs different wavelengths. So trees, they reflect green. So they they show high red values, right? They
1: reflect green, so they'd show high green values? Yes, okay. high green values. Is- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn. Dude those-,
0: <laughs> dude, those trees, they're red, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, that. sorry. Long day. <laughs> I can um, see
1: that. Um, okay, yeah, and so you get the red reflectance, the green reflectance, and blue reflectance. In this case, it's near. Yeah. We're not measuring blue. Or we have so. a triple band pass filter.
0: Uh, not not confirmed, but... That's the it, goal. That's the goal, is to have three, three bands on
1: yeah. one light path. A triple band pass filter, which will only let in red, green, and near. Yeah. And then the near will be measured on the blue pixels, and then you can subtract the near from the other pixels to get red, green, and then near independently. That's the idea, yeah. And then with those values... um, I don't know how much you want to talk about what N N I N V D S I N D S I is NDSI. normalized
0: snow or normalized different snow index. So that's just it shows what areas have snow and what don't. It's putting a color map over a subtracted uh reflectance oh, okay. thing. It's it's not like <sighs> I'm trying to think of the words to describe it in a in a clear and concise way. But it's yes, the process of getting those images are complicated. But the post post processing is a little less complicated mm. in that aspect. It's just subtraction and um, there's a lot of stuff that comes up before you do like all that end work stuff of subtracting it. You have to do all the post processing of like super resolution, making sure that it's like in focus and the pictures you're getting are, are the expected pictures that you want. Um, and there's ways of simulating that and you know making sure that it works prior to sending it up into space.
1: I remember something from the, your GAM presentation where it was uh, an emittance over a certain threshold would be classified as snow using red. Or yes. I'm, I, I believe, believe so. And similarly for the ice index and... What was the other index? So
0: there's normalized difference water index. So differentiating between land and water, Um, normalized difference snow index, which we talked about and normalized difference vegetation index that maps vegetation. Um, Red is really useful for um, ice measuring and, differentiating, like, um, impurities in snow and ice. Okay. And, and green and SWEAR are good for um, just normalized different snow index. Like, that's that's bare minimum, like, what we'd get out of our, our mission is normalized different snow index. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can do all of these, d- like, indices in, uh, using, like, let's say that um, you want to measure um, NDSI that's normally green and swear. You can use red. It's just not going to be as accurate. It's going to be significantly less accurate. Interesting.
1: Interesting. Okay. And so, like, for our mission, it right. is snow imaging? Arctic Arctic imaging is what I think we're calling it, but it's mostly yes.
0: snow. Our primary focus is, I believe, is NDSI is what we're focusing right.
1: on. And including uh NDWI and NDVI.
0: It just helps discriminate and get better data product for for clients. Okay. Um, it's it's the addition of the three bands to or I guess another two bands. A a two-band system is bare minimum. Yes. A four-band system in our case is ideal for us. Um so fingers crossed that we get better data because we have 4 like if when we fly four we're going to get
1: better data right and then there's a different complexity that comes with having four bands well i mean i guess it's more of a cost complexity
0: well there's the filtering issues that we've we've talked about before like 50k us dollars for a little piece of glass that filters <laughs> and then there's my proposed idea but if that doesn't work, then we're we're down to a two band system.
1: Which, yeah,
0: it's not ideal, but it gives us you know a chance to figure out what we're doing now with a. You know, we're not as mature as a team as as before. Um, you know, Elliot and Liam
1: are alumni now.
0: Alumni and literally probably the smartest people on on Iris.
1: It's actually weird, like the. Uh, Nick always calls them his generation, but like the previous generation of Alberta set members. Nick that, is not part of that generation. I don't know why he says he is, but because he's been around a long time, but he been in high school. Nick,
0: Nick, yes, he is part of that Alberta set generation, but he is, he joined like when they were, I don't know. Like, yes, he is a part of it, but also he's a part of our generation of Alberta set
1: too. Yeah, but it's like that generation had it all figured out. They knew how to build satellites.
0: And then we're sitting here. Well,
1: I, I don't know.
0: I feel like the full times, we're, we're, we're learning a lot.
1: Like, we're going to get it done, but it's like we don't have... I mean, they probably felt this way when they started.
0: I th- Yeah, I think it's just a matter of getting the ball rolling. And, yeah. You know, and then we can go from there. Um, speaking of getting the ball rolling, we, um, we're getting pretty close to launch for CanRGX, so we would like to do some shake tests on the shaker table on some of our joints. Is that something you could help us with?
1: Um, well, I'll start with the what you put in the you tagged me in on the Slack. Oh, yes. You didn't respond to my comment. I
0: didn't see your comment. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: um, did your random vibration testing just assume that uh, the bottom of the structure was completely fixed in the pelican case yeah because it will be oh it will be how well
0: not completely fixed it's not going to be welded it's going to have pin like a bunch of okay but you can assume that it's pretty much fixed
1: okay that was my one question i was like it looks like he just glued the bottom down
0: yeah it's it's going to be like bolted from the bottom because we have a metal plate that goes in there right and then that gets melted mount, not melted <laughs> mount, <laughs> it's in there for good now <laughs> good luck with that um no, it's bolted in each four corners. Right. Um, to keep it in place. So. Essentially fixed. I, I assumed that it would
1: be fixed. I don't think it changed that much, like doing pin supports at the bottom.
0: It's because you're not like. You, you take away your rotation, you take away lateral, vertical, longitudinal. It's fixed.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, well, for testing, I don't think it's going to fit. The Pelican case will fit.
0: Not, no, we're not going to test. I just want to test a couple joints. So we're going to get some aluminum extrusions and then put some of the uh, L brackets. Okay. And then we're going to shake that is my my idea.
1: We, it would also be good to shake all your harnesses. I can actually yes. send you, I have like the document from the CSA kind of outlining the what they do to like. Verify not verify, but how they break down their shaker tests. Okay. So they usually will like start with a constant frequency to ensure that everything's put together. So like if you put it on 50 Hertz and a bunch of screws start falling out. Um,
0: you got a problem.
1: Yeah. So you go back to stage zero. Um, so yeah, let's start with that. And then they will do a random vibration test outlined by a PSD plot. Um, so that's our, a power spectral density plot. And that basically, that denotes the pow- average power at each frequency that makes up the signal. And so for okay. like for a series, basically, like the theory behind that says you can break any signal down into a sum of sines and cosines at varying frequencies. And the what a PSD plot is, basically, it's showing the... relative amplitude or power of those different frequency components. So like maybe uh, during flight for some reason, 50 kilohertz has has a lot higher, like more power at 50 kilohertz than like 30 kilohertz. So that'd be more of a part in your shaking test that you'd want to like be careful about because that's where most of the energy will be added in. Um, but yeah, I can I can send you that. That'd be um, cool. Yeah. Do you have a PSD plot? I think yep. I do. I yeah. do.
0: I have vertical, lateral, and longitudinal.
1: Are they very different?
0: They're relatively the same.
1: Because for for um to two. Yeah. We were just given one. They're they're pretty much the same. Yeah. Across so they, they like they peak at roughly the same spot. So. Oh, yours is oh, like you actually have like accelerometer data from. Yeah. Oh. Okay, like the PSD plot we're given is like very crude.
0: You should see ours. Ours is very good. Okay, it is is much better. Um, well, pull it up for you here. And I as soon as i
1: my um smooth brain figures out how to do <laughs> inverse Fourier transforms, we can test. That would be very cool. Well, and we need to figure out how to fix it to the shaker table. What's the the weight limits like? What five pounds? Um. Everyone says it's five pounds. It probably is around five pounds. Um, The only, like, it can shake pretty theoretically anything. The only thing that changes is the amplitude. You put 100 pounds on it and you just have a really reduced amplitude. That makes sense. But no, um, yeah, so for a Falcon 9 launch, the PSD is only given for, I don't know, it's undirectional. It's just provided so for exalta 2 we just assumed it was equivalent in all directions.
0: I mean, if you look at ours, it's oh, wow. It's it's pretty well put out, but it like the highest peak is always around like 138. Do you have hertz. that in like a CSV? Nope, but I have um, this software that you can input the graph into and then you can like manually put like the, the zeros and then the upper limits, and then you can like go along and plot each point. Okay. So that and we then can, we, y- can get we can that, get that data. Yeah. can yeah.
1: get that into MATLAB. Yeah. Because we will use MATLAB to do the inverse fast Fourier transform. Yeah. I'm not doing that by hand. Yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So you have a uh, random vibration testing outlined by a PSD provided for like launch conditions or flight conditions and that is probably going to be the, as close as possible case to what you're
0: actually going to experience.
1: Yes. But there are other tests you can do like a swept test. So you What's can that? sweep across a frequency range Okay. to kind of find. Oh, where the, the your, peaks are? Your resonant frequencies. Right. And from that you can determine, um, well, it's kind of like finding where your, your structure breaks. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then you could change it if you want to. Just the issue is like, right, you're always going to have a resonance frequency. Right. So you want to push it outside of the expected frequency limits. Okay. Which isn't always possible. So you want to like maybe move it to somewhere where the power is less or maybe have a method that will... Um, yeah, it, it's it's a <laughs> it's a big... I like to think basically everything I do in Alberta Sat is like juggling, right? You can't win, so you just gotta get the best of. The well, population. I mean,
0: you can win; it just takes a while. They're, like everything is dependent on one another, so you have this pit of oranges that you're digging into, and you're just throwing <laughs> them up, and then you got like seven in the air all at once.
1: It does feel more like a circus, yeah. <laughs> but um, like like for the TVAC right now. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So, we Exalted <laughs> Two satellite did not fit in the TVAC. Yeah,
0: what happened there?
1: So, like a little bit of background. So you can imagine the TVAC kind of like um, it's this big chamber, it's big cylinder, basically big bell with big yeah, church. It bell. looks like <laughs> a big bell, yeah. Um, and the bottom of it is solid aluminum with this little like four legged thing on it we call this stage okay. and that has the heating and cooling parts right so the bottom has a saturated refrigerant chiller to stay at a constant temperature close to a constant temperature right um the top has a resistive heater for a like constant flux okay and the and then the insides hollow in a square shape so you can take your square-shaped satellite, like back in kindergarten, and put it in the square-shaped <laughs> hole. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's That was the idea. Um, and so the TVAC was designed for x one I believe. Did x one fit in it? I don't think it was. It, it was made in 2021. Oh, the TVAC? After, yeah. Oh. But it was designed with x one which, like... Exalta-1 was already, like, out of the De-orbited, sky. Orbited, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and so, like, the volume envelope, is it's kind of like a cross. So you have the corners of your satellite will touch the TVAC, and then in between the corners it will be air gaps, I mean vacuum gaps, because yeah, the Yeah, there is no air. <laughs> um, and so the idea is it touches the metal at the t- bottom, touches the metal at the top, and you can conduct heat through it.
0: Okay, that makes sense.
1: The cross section, however, did not match what we were designing for XLta 2. So XLTA 2 was designed to what's called the NanoRacks CubeSat deployer volume envelope. Yeah. So nanorax, there are launch company, or not launch company, or deployer launch, company.
0: Yeah, yeah. Launch provider. Launch provider,
1: yeah. Um, and they have a specified volume envelope that the satellite must fit in. For some reason, the TVAC did not match that volume volume envelope, and like by did a millimeter. Did we deploy
0: nanoracks for Exel to one?
1: I do not remember. I don't. I think wasn't so, in though. the club then. So. I don't. I don't think so. But um, yeah, I don't think so. But so the TVAC volume envelope is one millimeter off in every dimension, basically one millimeter. Pretty close. So what do you what do you do then? Well, you have to machine it out to be one millimeter bigger. So you just take a mill off like, the so. Mil, they, in A, I, and T, they go to put the satellite in and the antennas are the part that stick out the farthest and the solar panels. They're one mil too far out and they just don't fit in the square hole. The square satellite did not fit the in the square satellite hole. satellite
0: did not fit in the square hole.
1: Um, and so we are now working to take the TVAC apart, machine it so that it fits and then put uh, assemble it back together, and then start
0: is that, you're just machining the stage, though, right? Um, or is there like more to it? Just the stage. Have to, okay. We have
1: plenty of room in the bell to do whatever we want. Um, but it actually is uh, like a bit of a balancing act because the amount of heat you can conduct through a material, yeah. is directly proportional to the surface area, yeah. And in order to get the volume envelope to fit, we have to reduce our, vo- our area by
0: 25%. And that's that's a lot of That's like, a lot that's of, a surface lot of gone. material. <laughs> well, w- why is this change being made now? Like, are we going with deployables? Like,
1: eh. like we're future-proofing the TVAC. We're designing it so that any NanoRacks launch vehicle or launch payload...
0: Well, right, what if we're not going with NanoRacks though, right?
1: Nanoracks is pretty industry standard. In fact, they're a little bit bigger than industry standard. okay. So anything that would fit in the Nanoracks deployer would Would fit in other deployers. Gotcha. But, like, the idea is we just future-proof it so that for X-Alta 4, or whatever it's called, the next mission... Yeah. They go to TVAC test, and it will fit in the... It would be cool if you
0: had some, like, kind of vice...
1: So we're actually talking about adding something like that. So, like, if you reduce... Um, so basically it's a plate on the bottom, a plate on the top. Yeah. And you think of it like a you're squishing it down, like you're making a satellite sandwich yeah. in the TVAC. Um, you have to, like, because there's tolerancing differences, you actually have to move that top plate down to squish it. Okay. And then you get a certain, like, you get a good contact area. Right. Uh, there's a bunch of different stuff that can happen. Like your thermal conductivity is proportional to the pressure at an interface. So the harder you squeeze down, the better your conductivity will be. Right. So I think we have to formalize that a bit going forward. But if you have to reduce the surface area on the top and bottom, what if you use the surface area on the sides of the rails? So you can add surface area there while reducing it elsewhere. And then you'd increase the conductivity um, while also having the envelope you want. Yeah. Um, In order to do that, you'd have to do the kind of squishing mechanism on the side so that you can, like... How hard
0: would that be, though?
1: I can't imagine. We have some ideas. But the issue that arises is... Well, there's kind of two points for the T-back. Point number one is to validate the flight... What would you call it? Like, operations? Operation conditions? Yeah. So... You're in the vacuum of space, you're getting a bunch of instant light, you're a PCB and you're generating heat because that's what you, that's do. What you do. That's your job. Um, and so there's a bunch of tra- thermal, thermal transients going on, and you will see your satellite temp go from like 50 to negative 10.
0: All over the place.
1: That's a really big range, and so you want to ensure that in that range, you can operate on Earth that you won't fry something. Yeah. Um, And so the TVAC needs to be able to heat and cool whatever's inside very quickly between that range. And to do that, you want the sides to be very conductive um, so that you can, if you're heating, the sides will conduct all the way around. And it's basically equivalent to heating on both sides. Um, And so it's just faster because instead of going through in one direction, you go around in in, both directions. Um, That's for operations. If you want to test for validating a thermal model, you will then need to isolate the top and bottom plate. So you do not want any heat going around and outside. Um, and so like that can be done by changing the side panels. Um, oh, sorry. Another reason why when validating is you want things to be known. Right. So you want the thermal conductivity through the top and bottom plates and the side plates. To be predictable so that you can um, when you have all the thermocouples hooked up and you see temperature gradients, you can then predict those using the known thermal resistances. <laughs> um so like that's why you want to isolate it so that you can just disregard those outside thermal resistances. But if you were to have a sliding mechanism with a like a sliding interface inside the TVAC you're then introducing an asymmetry in your heat transfer. Okay. Because this side goes through an iso, um, a prismatic material, right? And this side now has to go through a sliced interface and then another material. So it's going to cause an asymmetry. Right. And it would make it harder to validate a thermal model.
0: And that's a big draw in using the T-back.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, balancing act. Yeah, no it's, kidding. Do you want to increase the performance of it? And by performance, it's just like we'll reduce the time it takes to do a test. So, like, a thermal cycling test will take, like, four hours. <laughs> if we reduce the surface area by 25%, Excuse me. we're looking close to five, six hours. So, That's
0: a considerable amount of time.
1: Yeah. Um, and so... Like, we do want to make it feasible to test in the TVAC, but we don't want that to kind of... Is it worth decreasing operation times to increase complexity? That's kind of the juggling act right now.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Well. What? I need to make a thermal model for um, Iris, so... Yeah, right. uh, I'll need your you and Ben's help on that one. Um, I did just take uh, what is what is that first Me- Mechie two thirty, where oh, you they, yeah okay yeah that's basically and all you need. If I was like when, when I first joined Alberta Set, I did the uh, mechanical KOP mm-hmm. and I did the SolidWorks part and then I got to the uh, LT splice part and i was like oh cool i'm making a circuit no i was modeling a heat like i didn't understand it until i got to the, like the second semester i'm like
1: the kop what, what? The this KOP, is crazy the kop is literally the model that you have to make that's the iris imager in that that kop
0: well our iris is going to be most likely different
1: yeah and it's probably going to produce a lot more heat
0: uh, yeah that's where a sensor is going <laughs> to it's it's chunky
1: what was it at the gam where was it Operating temperatures on Earth are like 50 degrees. 50 degrees Celsius. And that's with convection. We might melt our satellite.
0: Yeah, so we're going to, well, that's with a module. It's not necessarily with, like, if we implement just the bare sensor, There's we have more control of the thermal management. But then we run into the issues of we're integrating um, hardware at the same time that we're developing, like, firmware for it software that you need to work with it and it's easier to well i shouldn't say easier but like it's a little less difficult to integrate uh something that you already have like developed firmware for that is supplied by the manufacturer so that's a big draw of using those modules but four watts of power and like Fifty degrees Celsius nominal, like not nominal, but like operating temp. Like it, it thing it just starts stacking up.
1: I, I, th- like what um the work Max is doing for like the power budget. This isn't related anyway to what you're doing. This is for Exalta Two power budget. I just thought it was so funny when he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna need seven solar panels <laughs> it, for a sun synchronous orbit," and I like. It's just the, like, I just got the visual image of imagining seven Hyperion solar panels wrapped, <laughs> wrapped around, around several times. <laughs> but if it's, if you're, if Iris is taking four watts, wow, that's going to be like 13. It's literally going to double it almost.
0: We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Um, you know, we're I, I am a firm believer that when we have our system requirements, we're going to make leaps and bounds this summer.
1: Well, we can, like, I can technically make the mechanical requirements We have a list of IRIS
0: requirements. It's just, like, a matter of, okay, what does everyone need? We need, like, it's it's hard to design, like, a PCB if you don't know, A, what sensor you're using, B, um, what interfaces everyone else is using. You need to know, like, how the whole satellite's going to connect to one another. And... Not necessarily the whole satellite, but you need to know how does Iris or the Electra board or um, whatever we decide to name it this time. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that interface with the onboard computer, OBC? Like, how does how does that?
1: Right. I'm I'm about to say something really crazy. I think I have I've told you this already. Maybe. I want to put Iris in the middle of the three U's.
0: Yeah, actually, you know what? Well, that'll be interesting. I <laughs> I want to put it on one of the bottom or top use and I want to have it like, okay, I have to talk to Max about it still, but, um, based on the way he was holding the satellite it we could just point out the bottom.
1: Yeah. And there are, there are actually, there's a lot there's of his flight amount. heritage where you, if you need like a longer imager, you put it, you orientate it in that direction. Yeah. Um, I mean, that'd be fun. Uh, I think the issue though is like, you'd have to probably go to a dart styled deployable. Yeah, and for some reason, everybody in this club hates dart styled deployables.
0: Ah, <sighs> so much hate, man.
1: So, maybe hate's a strong word, but I like. I went to Nikhil and I, like, hey, can we make a dart styled satellite? And he's like, absolutely not. We will no n- shot, no shot. Uh, I think though it's a lot different from. Me- I mean, for mechanical requirements, it's literally be a box. Be a good box. Be a good box of a surface hardness of. Anodized aluminum 6061. That's it. Well, <laughs> and be a certain size and
0: be a certain weight. Be a certain box. Be a specific box that must,
1: what is my purpose? We were a whole kilogram under the mass budget for x to 2. Really? Yeah, we can literally, like, we had a meeting to, to kind of discuss what uh, the structure could look like for x to 3. And it's like, oh, we had a kilogram to play with. We can build whatever we want. Like our structure is like two hundred grams. Hear me out. Propulsion system on a satellite. <laughs> I I mean, they they're not unheard of.
0: Oh yeah, there's I think NanoAvionics made one.
1: Uh, is that a cold gas thruster? I think.
0: Yeah, it's the one we were looking at. I think it, it's probably cold gas. Yeah.
1: I really like. I wanted. Okay, here's the thing. We put a cold gas thruster on the satellite, and then what?
0: Bye bye. It's
1: already bye bye the second it l- opens up the doors on the during deployment.
0: I think it would be really cool to do solar sails and see if you can go from uh, Leo to um, just leave Leo and see if you can get to a higher Earth orbit.
1: I want, yeah, I wonder. Interesting. Are s- solar sails directional, or like, like if you're heading away from the sun, they help you, but heading towards the sun, they hurt you? Yeah, I think. That's just like my intuition. I don't. That know would make would, sense. Yeah. Or maybe there's only a reflective part on the one side. And you're maybe. Absorbing yeah, it.
0: yeah. I, I don't know. We were gonna look into like solar sail deployments for Kenrgx. That was one of our ideas that we were throwing around. Um, but then we decided to do Gecko adhesives. But I think solar sails. I, I, I have started doing more reading. I got a new book, new two book, two new books, and I've just been reading them, and I'm like. I miss reading so much,
1: like rocket books.
0: No, they're not rocket books. I got Atomic Habits. Dude, that book is book's am- so good. It's it's, it's amazing.
1: I've ne- That's the only book I've ever read in one day, and like, like I demolished it in five hours. It
0: is so good. It, like I am. I'm, I'm like, I don't know. Like,
1: like I've never consumed a book so fast in my life.
0: It, like I've only read it for like a couple of days, and I already feel like okay, I can get my stuff together and. You know, I'm like, I was at work today at 7 a.m. I can barely get out of bed normally at 7 a.m.
1: That is facts. I do te- text you some days. I'm like, where are you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> still sleeping. Never mind. Yeah. No, so, yeah. like that book probably. I I read it last winter when I was living in residence. Uh, so like 2022. Okay. And like changed my life. Yeah, it's it's, it's really so good. good.
0: And then uh, another one I got. Uh, well, I have the uh, subtle art of not giving uh
1: I'll I'll censor it. F word. F word. I haven't I haven't read that one yet, but I heard I hear it's really good.
0: I I haven't read it yet because I want to finish um, Atomic Habits, and then I also have the the Art of Thinking Clearly.
1: Oh, I I know what you're talking about. I haven't read that one either. Yeah, so I I'll I'll pass those down. Um, I right now I am reading Mastery by Robert Greene.
0: What is that about? Mastery.
1: Yeah. It's basically about how to become an expert. That's awesome. And like mentorship, like when it's like, yeah, it kind of like breaks down the certain role a mentor will fill at different points in your career. So like when you're fresh and brand new, you just find anyone who will talk to you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's basically how it works and just get taught. Um, But then later in your career, it's more of a collaborate collaboration with your, your mentor. Um, and stuff like that. I think it's been great. I mean, I'm only a quarter of the way through it, but. Dude, I, I love reading so much. I want to, like, I got those two books
0: and it's been like a catalyst for me. I'm like, my birthday's coming up. I'm like, I want to get this. I want to get this.
1: And they're all books. (laughs) Oh, do you want to read, um, Ignition? I do. Yeah. All right. I'll send that your way. Thank you. It it is pretty dense though. Well, I'm pretty dense, so. (laughs) It's pretty dense and pretty dark. Where,
0: I I like that style, though, where it's like, it's not, well, I guess, is it? it's not taken with such a serious tone.
1: It's not serious, and he does say in the book, he's written in a way to scare you, because, um, well, okay, the book is Ignition History of Rocket Propellants, and talks about all liquid rocket propellants from the inception, Um, and he goes on for, like, a, a hot minute about all the people in his, like, close to him in his career who have just died. Because stuff's just blown up. Like he mentions this, uh, when we're working with chlorine-based um, hypergolics, he always recommends a good pair of running shoes because if it starts <laughs> smoking, you have to get 500 feet away. At least. <laughs> Something <laughs> at like least, that. At least, yeah. Like you have to leave the facility <laughs> a one-mile radius.
0: Like that's that's terrifying.
1: But it doesn't stop me from wanting to actually do oh, stuff. Oh,
0: not at all. But <laughs>
1: Propulsion team.
0: Yes, speaking of, we got to get a jump start on that soon. I I think it's going to be more of a fall thing, though, to be honest with you. And I might not be here. Well, it's something we can work on, though, like still.
1: Yeah. I, like, I just need to, like, chill out from school. I say that, but I'm drowning this week. But I just need to chill out. I'm drowning and still making a podcast. Yeah, podcast is fun.
0: This is your, your break for the, for the week.
1: Pretty much. I, I, like, I felt like I was banging my head against a wall for the last hour trying to figure out inverse Fast Fourier transforms. Ugh,
0: that's not even school though. That's.
1: No, that was for Alberta. Alberta sat. Yeah. Sat, yeah. No, uh, like we're in sick, so I'm not going to work on school, even though nobody could would like see me not working. That's true. Yeah. Um, so it's like after this week, I have a midterm next week. I could just. Chillax, go to ice, get in a little cubby, and just chat.
0: Yeah, we should uh, we should have a conversation with some of our uh, advisors from Alberta Sat and see if they would be interested in uh helping us get this kind of rolling a bit.
1: I I actually have already talked to people. Oh, really? Who? Yeah, uh, Mike. What did he say? He said we will chat. <laughs>
0: oh, was that in ice last Thursday?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You were there. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I yeah.
0: was two, thir- two Thursdays ago. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um. But I mean like an actual conversation, like we should get this off the ground if possible.
1: Yeah, I I do really want to do this and I do think I will start neglecting like sleep to get this done.
0: Hey man, I am on the six hour wavelength right now and it's working.
1: Same here actually. I, I was
0: know. I was getting eight hours and I was just exhausted. I, but I six hours is
1: perfect for I me. did not sleep at all last night. Like I'm almost at the point where I should just conceal the bags instead of trying to make them go away, just cover them up because, or just, just live with them,
0: show up in a mask.
1: Like it would like, like when I had that black eye a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I I had a black eye. It was pretty nasty. Yeah. I went to a job <laughs> interview with the nastiest <laughs> black eye, and I looked like a thug. It was pretty gnarly. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But like, I had the black eye for two weeks. <laughs> After week one, when it faded a little bit, it blended in with my bags, and like honestly,
0: yeah. After that, I couldn't couldn't notice it, but it was
1: like still there. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I'll I will try to get more sleep, get back on track. It helps. I feel like I say this every week.
0: You do. I think we all do.
1: Yeah. Well, Atomic Habits. uh, What was it? Don't say you're someone who needs to sleep more. Say you're someone who will sleep eight hours.
0: Yes. Uh, yes, I am a person that will
1: sleep eight hours. I am a person who will get up at 5 a.m. and work out and then still won't do it, but hey, it's <laughs> who I want to be. Exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, it's about making an identity and then fake it till you make it.
1: I'm good at faking
0: it. You'll make it eventually.
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, 42 minutes. This is the longest one yet.
0: It is quite quite a chonker.
1: <laughs> All righty. Uh, peace out, Space Cadets.
0: See you next week.